Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Bob. And I'm Father Dave, and this hey, is a crazy world. Hey, it Bob, is a crazy world. I'm doing good. And where are you? Where in the world is Father Dave Pavanka? <gasps> kind of like that actually matches the Waldo. rhythm. No, not where Waldo. In where in no. the world is Father Dave Pavanka? Carmen is that a song that I should be? Carmen's, no, Car- there's a show called Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Oh. Is that taking Father from Dave Pavanka is the exact same syllabic. Is that pentameter. is that where is is that where is Waldo the same like the no, same show? Where's Waldo is no. Where's Waldo is a book. Where in the world is Carmen is that San like Diego? That Stan, was like is a, that like is that like that Stanley thing that kids take? They send you and you have to take a picture. Oh, of Flat yourself Stanley. With, Flat Stanley. Yeah, is yes. that like Flat Stanley? Yeah. No, not at all. Okay. Nothing. No, like not that. at all. Okay. No. Okay. Those Flat Stanleys. I especially when I lived in Europe. Like everybody wanted Flat Stanley to go to Europe. You know, usually it was right. it was it was Aunt Betty and in the farm next to the cow. It's like, oh my gosh, let's send it to Uncle Dave. He has Flat Stanley and he can take it. So I actually had Flat Stanley pictures with the Pope and the kid, my nieces and nephews would say, you know, Uncle Dave, ours was totally the coolest Flat Stanley. So. <laughs> totally dominated. Yeah, I would give it to the students and I would say, okay, just take it for the next week. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, yeah, 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 that's that's where I thought we were going to start with right here. How are you, Bob? Yeah. Well, I'm doing well. So where in the world are you, by the way? Yeah. If, if I had a flat Stanley, what would it be a picture by? Well, you just told the answer, so that doesn't help. So part of part of it where in the world, be, in Carmen, San Diego, is you get little clues. Oh, okay. All right. So um, now that you've totally ruined that you're in New Orleans, I'll I know you're. I know you're somewhere you yesterday. Clue. So if there was a picture of Flat Stanley yesterday before uh-huh. you die, why yeah. don't you tell us? What would the image be in front of that would let people know where they are? Okay, that's a good, that's a good, this is good. This is a good game. Um, it could be in front of Minute Maid. Like the Minute Maid. Okay. I, like I don't know the, if it's like still a is. The, baseball, the baseball park used to be called Minute Maid, but I don't think it is anymore. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you another clue. I think at this point, any avid listener knows. Just like hit the thirty second forward button at least four or five times before yeah. you get to any Astros. Rashros. Astros. That's baseball, Come on, right, Bob? Yes, Houston, Houston Astros. Yeah, there you go, there you baby. Go. You're in Houston. You nailed it. I was. Nice. was. H Town. Yeah. Ooh, the Rockets. Yeah. Do you follow basketball? Um, not NBA, no, not really. So I actually, Houston, I just follow sports. Yeah, yeah. The Houston Rockets. It was. It kind of went viral. So Harden left the Rockets, went to Brooklyn. Yeah. And um, their team is pretty bad. In fact, they've just lost twenty in a row, and it's a brand new coach. Ouch. Yeah, and like Ouch. like the viral video is just the coach at the end of a press conference. You know, his, his hand is over his face. You know, one word. And, I mean, you just you're just heart breaks for the guy. It's like yeah, yeah, to the yeah. NBA. Ooh. Anyway, but no, but uh, I have followed March Madness a little bit. Oh yeah, we got a number of Catholic schools hanging Actually, in there. The, the number one team right now is the Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga. The, so my little brother is a graduate of Gonzaga, and he's just he's excited as can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, I mean, obviously he's not just a Fairweather fan. He graduated from right. there. So he's just loved them forever and his boys love them. And they're actually, they're just a really good team. 
they're unlike most teams, you know, these one and dones. That's not how this team plays. And uh, yeah, they're a great. I would love, I would love to see them win it. That'd be great. Uh, I know, I know somebody who is an alumni of Oral Roberts University. I was just going to ask about that. <laughs> who's praying for Oral Roberts? Is this I is know, like right? who's going to pray more? Right. We'll have a huge Protestant versus Catholic That's showdown. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, uh, I, I don't know how the brackets work. I don't know if they can get there. And then Loyola is still in there, which is always fun to give Sister, Sister Jean. Jean. Yeah. You know, it's always nice to have a nun getting some good FaceTime on uh, national media. So I think it's she's really like 101. She's, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what she is, but it is, it is actually just for you to say that it's, you know, to have the national media, particularly sports media, focus on this old nun actually is really kind of neat. Yeah, it's like they just, it, yeah, it's a beautiful thing and they just can appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's just a nice way of showing that Catholics can have fun too. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. just there she is cheering them on, having a great time. And uh, yeah, there's something, there's something kind of cool about that. I mean, we could use as much good press as we could get these days, I would say. Any day, really. Yeah. It's yeah, always a yeah. win. Speaking of sports, and it's not like basketball is the only sporting activity going on in our country. Mm. So Franciscan University, we switched to a new conference called the President's, uh, President Athletic Conference, which is uh, a lot closer, a lot more private schools. So it's kind of a, a good thing for the university. But in our first season of cross-country sports, uh, the boys won the championship. The girls got second. But both the boys and the girls won it. So the individual runners, Liam and Allison, both won it for the first time. Yeah, it's just, it's really interesting, Bob. I don't know kind of how this works, but our cross-country teams have been the best. Have always always been great. Yeah, tennis has done really, actually a lot of our teams have done really, really well. Mm -hmm. Thank the Lord it's been, but the cross-country team, uh, our coach, who is also a science professor, and this is one thing that's actually really cool. Uh, our science professor is also the coach, and he yeah. won the coach of the year. You know, Dan. Yeah, so, Dan Keebler. He's great. Yeah, this is just, and that's actually one of the things I really like about Franciscan is is that you're going to see your coach in the classroom, and you're going to also see him on it. So they were great. So the, yeah, it's the, the joy of working great. at a small college. You know, yeah. I mean, we're all in different places, having different roles, doing things together. We're all at mass well, let together. Me just say We're all that playing that's something, sports together. I mean, it's, it's, it's really great. That's something that people have said about you is that they said, you know, they grew up coming to youth conferences and see you on stage and see you doing the music. And now you're in their teacher and they just really appreciate <laughs> that. So, but I think that's right. There's something just kind of being a small community, small university makes it a lot of fun to be able to do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's really a joy. Yeah. And spring is here and it's beautiful. Uh, the weather has been great, so it's a it's a wonderful day to go for a run. I remember actually when I was a youth minister, I always tried to encourage my volunteers to you know cheer kids on at sports, and um, yeah, I would just kind of go to the sports that kids showed up with. So I had uh, a kid that uh, ran cross country, and he's like, "You got to come see my meet." I'm like, "That's fantastic," you know. So I went. <laughs> Never been to a cross country meet. I should have brought a book. I was sitting there. Off they went. <laughs> And that was it, <laughs> you know, yeah, and then I, yeah. I look around and every other parent or person just like opens up a book and they start reading and I'm just sitting there like, I should have thought this through. I can't see where they went. Yeah. Yeah. Do so. you know one thing that I did one time to st- stay with the theme? Uh, one of our uh, alumni, Andy Lefsnevsky, you know, I do. he has, I think it's just a ridiculous goal, but he wants to run a marathon in every state, which is just, <laughs> yeah. That's like almost 50. Yeah, exactly. Almost. Yeah. Depends what year, I suppose. 
But I so I, he, I, we well, have I go to, to Puerto in, Rico and Guam. That's yeah, the there real, you go. That's the real commitment. Let's see how serious they are about running. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a, was doing a marathon in Detroit and invited me to come. And I happened to be in Detroit at the same time. He said, oh, you should come watch. So I went at the, yeah. But here's the thing, though. I went and I just watched at the finish stand, you know, where yeah. everyone was finishing. And honestly, Bob, it was really emotional. That, you know, there's the great runners and they just run across and all that kind of thing. But right. then there was the the person, and it was near the end, right, that had some kind of a story. And, and you don't know what that backstory was, but you saw them struggling. You saw their family. Uh, I mean, hugs and tears. It, I, I, it's really funny. It was the whole experience was not at all. I just thought I'd be okay. Watch the end of a marathon. Right. But it was actually really touching and really moving watching it. Yeah. yeah. I ran a marathon once. Did I tell yes, you about that? Yes, you did. And I was, it was funny when you said about going, go for a run, because that was not always your story about going for a run, was no, it? No, no, no. I used to avoid all forms of physical activity. That's but, right. Um, gosh, what, maybe it was about 20, 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, I, uh, I got into running, especially uh, because my sister was really into running. And so some of it, I, I have an older sister. I was really looking to do something with her. And uh, that seemed to be the one thing I thought. Well, I could, I could probably start running. And you know, it. it and as you, you know, as you get older, your body says, "No, nope, you can't eat as much and still be skinny." So I, uh, I started to run. I really enjoyed it. I so I worked myself up. It was the Chicago Marathon, Chicago Marathon, because I'm from Chicago. And I'm told that that was a really. I was told it was a really good marathon to run because it was, you know, flat. Uh, you know, it's the windy city, you know, so there's always a good breeze going on. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's a very user friendly, you know, great first marathon kind of. Except, except, except that you have to run 26 miles. Carry on. At point yeah. two. Other, other, <laughs> yeah. Other than that. <laughs> Those that it have run a, it always clarify uh, point two. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's an important step. Well, the day we did it, it was, I think this was 2007. Um, there was a heat wave. And there was no wind. I mean, it was just oh, absolutely. In Chicago, in the Windy City, yeah. Yeah, the Windy City with no wind. So I believe there were about 40,000 people signed up to do it. But a little under 30,000 showed up because the weather advisories were like, hey, this is like, you know, because it's in October in Chicago. So you're thinking you're totally fine. It's going to be like in the 60s with a breeze. It was like 80, no breeze. I mean, just stifling. And then, of course, you're surrounded by you know, 30,000 of your closest friends all running, you know, at, at a pace. And as we got, um, as we got halfway through it, they, they canceled the race. I mean, there was having, they, they ran out of water. Uh, somebody died though. Later they found out they oh. had a preexisting heart condition, but it, it was like, you look at every medical tent, like they're just bodies laid out everywhere. So, midway, so yeah, right. This sounds great. This? So yeah. midway through, um, there's cops driving slowly being like, this is a fun run. It is no longer a race. This is a fun run. You know, and you're like, it's weird. Like walking the streets of Chicago, again, in a crowd of about fifteen to 20,000 people. And it was just, it was just very surreal. And then like, once you start walking, that's really bad because you're, you're running for a bit. Now you're walking and then you're running and then you're walking. So obviously you're not going to get your personal best at this particular race. But you would. Well, I did since I never did one before and exactly. since I've never done one again, spoiler alert. Go Bob, go um, Bob. But it was really fascinating. So we got about 18 miles. So then the crowd picked up and we just started running again because you want to get through it. At some point, you're just thinking, I want to run just to get through this stupid thing. 
And at about the 18 mile mark, they had barriers where they uh, were pointing people to a shortcut to get to the finish line. And they were saying the race is over, just go the shortcut and, and be done with this thing. Though you could see very clearly the path ahead, which was the rest of the marathon, yeah. you know, cause all those markers were still up. So, you know, my sister said, so what do you want to do? And my sister had run a number of marathons. I'd never run one before. And like I said, I didn't have an intention to do another one. And I said, I don't think I'm ever going to be 18 miles into yeah. a marathon. I, I just want to finish this, you know, and I want, I want to get it done. And, you know, I had, I had pulled my hamstring a couple weeks earlier and I was trying to recover from it. You didn't even realize you had a hamstring. I didn't realize one until I did that. So, um, so we just start, so we run past the barriers and then they're like a race official comes us, you know, runs up to us and says, are you feeling okay? Are you all right? Just to let you know, uh, the Chicago marathon has no legal responsibility for you here on out. There's no more, (laughs) there's no more water stations or anything. And I wanted to be like, well, you guys weren't doing that great of a job, Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, up to this point. Is there a pub? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So we start running and there's now a handful of people that are doing it. I mean, if we started with 30,000 down to 20, I mean, maybe there's just a few thousand people that ended up saying, I'm just going to go for it. It was actually the most amazing part of the race because you're running through neighborhoods and they're all watching it on TV because this is an annual thing for them. I mean, if you live on the street where the marathon runs by, right. you know, and they're always out and they're cheering and stuff like that. Well, they were, I mean, uh, gosh, it's like emotional. People were like coming out of their house with bottles of water and with ice. I mean, it was like the whole city was like coming out because they knew that there was no other support for the racers and yeah, they're yeah, honking yeah. their horns and they're bringing ice cars, like pulling into dry, you know, gas stations, buying bags of pretzels handing them to runners as they're going by. I mean, it was like an incredible feeling really of cool. like, we're going to do this together. And even for me and my sister, I mean, I was limping at the end. I mean, she literally carried me across the finish line. Oh, that's so cool. But that's it was so cool. really, yeah, I mean, it, there's something to it. Was there you know? actually like a finish? So, because everything yeah, closed down. There was. So you, so, knew, so the, you knew, okay, I'm done. And The finish okay, line was okay. there because I just went the long way. I mean, they still had the shortcut. So they're trying okay, to give okay. people an experience of finishing. But we, and what was funny is we got to the finish line and we pass it and they've got these stacks of water. Like, it's like, maybe you guys should have like spread these out a little bit throughout the race. And somebody came up with one of those like tinfoil blankets. Like that was their job, you know, like to to cover you in this. I mean, it's, it's like freaking 85 degrees (laughs) and somebody's covering me with like a thermal. I'm like, get this off me. Like, why don't even touch me. Where have you been the past 10 miles? of my life. That's um, really funny. But it That's is profound. Funny. I mean, you know, there's something about accomplishing that and there's something, uh, you know, you think about St. Paul talking about running a race. Run the race. Right, right. And everything well, that goes I into that, was, it's just, that it's sense, amazing. The other thing I thought was cool was the, uh, you could have taken a shortcut, but you didn't, you know, there was, if I'm going to do this, it really isn't a shortcut. So yeah, yeah, there's actually, there's some homilies there sometime. Let me sit with hmm. that for a while and you might hear this again. A friend of mine was a friend of mine was running a marathon. I love I love at conferences where you're like a friend of mine, and you just kind of look over. I've given you a lot of homilies over the years. Yeah, yeah, but now once I become a deacon, I'm going to use my own darn homilies. But but it's better than some people that we know that say, you know, I was running a marathon in in Chicago. It's like, wait a minute, that wasn't you. You can't steal the story. I remember when I was hanging on the cross for your sins, and I was thinking to myself, wait, what? Anyway, anyway. So Um, all right, you got to plug. 
I got a plug. Um, we have live streamed masses. We wanted to tell you about. Actually, many of you know this already. Um, you know, it was around this time. Can you believe it was around this time last year uh, that people started broadcasting live stream liturgies? And um, well, they've become very, very popular. Praise God. Uh, we still do it. Uh, live stream daily mass from Finnegan Fieldhouse. Uh, we actually get like almost like three to 5,000 people watching it every day, which is really great. So if you're unable to attend Mass in person, we invite you to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass through our live stream and being inspired and formed through homilies from amazing friars and uplifted in worship by our student-led music ministry. And, you know, I mean, so many folks, uh, you know, have... Um, you know, maybe litter daily mass isn't at a time that they can fit mm -hmm. in with work or other things. And so just to have mm -hmm. that uh, where they can kind of look back, especially alumni, I think, uh, you know, just hearing some of the music and, and really you guys, you, you friars just do a wonderful job proclaiming the Absolutely. word and making it really relevant. So anyway, yep. for anybody out there, if you want to join our live stream liturgies, uh, <laughs> we have a Facebook page, our official Franciscan University Facebook page. We broadcast it there. Or you can go to chapel.franciscan.edu slash live. That's chapel.franciscan.edu slash live. And I think we have, uh, we have liturgies Monday through Friday at 12.05. Mm -hmm. uh, Saturday we have it at eleven, and Sunday yeah. we have it at ten. So, yeah. uh, any of those that you can check it's kind out. Of a <clears throat> cool thing. So, my parents are out in the on the west. They're actually on the Pacific time zone now because of because of daylight savings. They live in Arizona, and it doesn't change. So, this is kind of a cool thing. So, my mom isn't able to go to mass every day just because her health doesn't doesn't allow it. So it's cool. My dad goes to, they get up in the morning, they pray together. They, then dad goes off to mass. Mm -hmm. And then um, mom begins to watch the live stream mass that we do at the university online. And right about the time the mass has ended, my father comes home from attending mass and he brings her the Eucharist each morning and they oh, do wow. their prayers together. And, That's and beautiful. They go to, so mom is, mom is basically receiving communion at the same time as the people on campus. It is really cool. It's really yeah. cool, which makes me, which makes actually, that's one of the things we were going to actually talk about today. And I mean, you mentioned the, the thing with your, you know, running with your sister and that, mm -hmm. that just that, that idea of family and family in, you know, family in Lent and families trying to pray together and, and how quickly things happen with families that have an impact. I was with a, a, some people yesterday actually in Houston and the floods were just awful. You know, they yeah. were just awful and, and impacted them. And, this one family I was staying with, uh, the Hush family, just a beautiful family down in Houston. Uh, they brought in, I think there were three different families that they brought because there was no electricity, there was no water, and this the Hus have a generator. And right, because it was snowing and everything, right? <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. And, and pipes were freezing. And then one of our alumni, Jamie and his wife, Michelle, they, they had flooding in their house. Pipes broke and they had flooding and yeah. their ceilings caved in and just how quickly things like that happen and the impact that it has on families. And, and then the other is just, yeah, when things are difficult, you, families come together and try to pray and, and try to, you know, be, be family, which is not always the easiest <laughs> things at times. Right. Yeah. But, and I, but, and I feel like we have a culture that really is anti-family. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, at least in, you know, I, I know that, you know, that idea of being family, it has to be intentional. It can't be default because, mm -hmm. 
just the busyness of culture. And I'm not talking about like even like nefarious right, dark right, right. media or things right, like right, that. Right. I'm just talking about kids at school, like schools almost naturally feel like they've got to plan their your kid's time from like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., right? And they'll just, you kind of go from one activity to another, to another, to another. Uh, I think, you know, as How do you folks in America, that, we're kind of workaholics, huh? How do you manage that? I mean, that whole thing with with family, I know that, like I'd give a talk one time about how families have become kind of child-centric where the children's schedules run the entire family. And that's right. that's not the way it necessarily was. Like I remember growing up that that my parents kind of said, okay, this is what it's going to look like in and, and my schedule or our kids. And that's not to say that they didn't do all kinds of things with us, but it was a family schedule, not just a... So how do you manage all the things your kids want to do and and actually just spending time together and yeah, you know, and during this Lent praying together. And so how do you, how do you as a father, of, yeah. you guys, you have what, 15 kids? Yeah, something kids like that. Yeah, 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 seven kids, uh, right. Yeah. Okay, but I'm sure, like, how do you manage that? How do you manage priorities? And Well, so. our calendar is insane. I mean, yeah. like, you know, the calendar in our kitchen and, and a lot of this, oh, if, I've not, seen that. if not all of this goes to my wife, Jennifer, who has just different colors, pens and, you know, I mean, it looks like, you know, you're trying to track down a serial killer, you know, with like all the lines and all the things that are, that are connected. Is that really there. the best analogy? Probably not, but let's oh keep, my let's gosh. just move on. But are we really going to start self-editing ourselves at this point? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> so, um, so it, it looks, it looks fairly crazy, you know, and the tension is. I mean, to... you could have said it looks like a busy map. Okay. That's fairly pedestrian, <laughs> but I can. You know, Dave, it looks like a lot of lines there you go. on a wall with colors. There you go. See, that's much better. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I like the serial killer thing. Okay. It's just more mysterious. It is. You know, and there's always a sense of mystery and family transition. So as you're dealing you with all the stuff that kids are doing, it's, it's a balance, right, of, you know, flexibility is the key. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to make sure we have time for families, but I want to be sensitive to what my kids are passionate about. And I want to be sensitive to what my kids are doing and what their friend groups are doing, especially if they've got like good friend groups. You you want to, you want to cherish those good friend groups that mm -hmm. they're in. And so um, I, I don't know if, the, I know for me, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's always trying as best we can. At one point we said, we're going to have dinner as a family every night. Okay, that doesn't work for us at least, but we do try to have it at least three nights a week. Um, we do try to have times of family prayer. Uh, we uh, you know, try to have conversations at the dinner table. And then for me, I over the course of every two months, I try to take one kid out and do something intentional with them. That's cool. Uh, like a date night or something. I find, especially with... Um, especially with having a lot of kids, I find the one-on-one -on -one time is really, really valuable. And in fact, that ties back to what we were saying earlier. You know, I like, uh, I take my kids to Cleveland Cavalier games. That's about two hours, uh, Cleveland's about two hours north of us. And the, the, I, I miss LeBron, but wow, the tickets are a lot cheaper now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, just to have time in the car to talk, uh, you know, to do something together, to get out of the house, um, 
you know, something that's not too expensive, or even if it's just going to dinner or going to ice cream or things like that. But I actually have to keep track of it in my planner, you mm -hmm. know, like what kids I'm going to try to connect with, you know, this week. Just on that, on that individual thing, right? Yeah. yeah, because otherwise some will slip, you know, the, the ones that are, you know, more outgoing, I'll spend more time with because they always want to do it. The other ones, they're like, I don't know if I want to go out. I'm like, that's too bad. You're coming out with me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I think a lot of it is just for us, it's just an intentionality of, you know, when's the last time I just went to dinner with this kid or treated mm -hmm. this kid or mm -hmm. had a significant conversation with this kid? And depending on their age, you know, that's going to vary with what it means. But just like there's no substitution spending that time with each other, but you've got to mm -hmm. fight for it. I mean, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The culture... Um, particularly with phones and all the other things like absorbs time, you right. know, away, away from people. Uh, you know, it's a challenge in youth ministry too. Uh, you know, people used to go to youth group cause they didn't have anything better to do. Well, now they have Netflix on their phone. So oops, yeah. like, you know, how are you, how are you going to do ministry in that kind of world? So um, I just wonder what it would have been, what it would have been like, you know, kind of growing up in this world. And I don't, I mean, we're not ancient, but you know, there just wasn't that type of thing to do. So growing up, we would we would go out in the morning and do you know during summers, and we would be gone all all day and just with our friend groups and those kinds of things. But that kind of the end of the day was the family time that we really we worked really hard. The family dinner was really a priority in my family, and and there were times that my dad was a physician, busy physician, and there were times that we just kind of had to wait, and you know, dad would be home and. Now again, small town, so right. dad could be home in five minutes. So he would come home, and, and there were times that he came home. We all ate, and then dad might have to go and make rounds at the hospital again. But there were things like that that, and and you you mentioned it, Bob. It's it's really the the husband and the wife, the mom and dad, that have to protect that. They see that time that's important, and they and they guard it and they protect it because left to the kids. You know, that's it's just not the priority. I mean, I'm not thinking as a kid, I was like, hey, we need to have family time. And I haven't, so yeah, so it's the kids, really it, the kids aren't going to realize the value of it until right, they get right. older. And uh, yeah, that really, I think, is one of the biggest roles of the parents and the parents working together uh, with that to try to make time happen. Yeah. It's a lot more challenging uh, with single parents out there, you know, particularly if they've got jobs and. Um, I think it's really easy as a parent to always feel like you're failing. Yeah. You know, when mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can feel that at times and I mean, it's almost just part of it. Like there's always so much more you feel like you could be doing, but you just don't have time for it or your own life is crazy or your own work is crazy or their schedule is crazy. And, mm -hmm. um, I think just, you know, that's what I've been loving about this year of St. Joseph and reflecting on the craziness of the Holy family. You know, for me, these past few months reading and praying about St. Joseph, it, it's been such a comfort to me because, you know, they struggled. They were always mm -hmm. adapting, you know, they were going to countries they didn't expect and towns they didn't mm -hmm. expect. And, uh, you know, though, you know, two of them were without sin and the other was a saint. Um, they still had to just face the daily challenges and burdens of life. And that, that, I don't know, that gives me comfort in knowing um, that it can be hard and it can be challenging, even if you're not sinning, you know, like it's not necessarily sure, your sure, fault. Sure, sure. And sure, it is sure. part of the dynamic of family that I think you just keep fighting the battle and mm -hmm. uh, you're relying a lot on grace, you know, relying a lot I remember, on yeah, God's grace. I remember one time talking to a young mother, I think, I think she, that they had like 
four kids in seven years or six years or something like that. And yep. and she was just she was just sharing. She was tired. She said, you know, honestly, sometimes I'm impatient. And she just goes through this list. And, <laughs> right. and all I said, all I said was, you know, being a mom is hard. And she just broke down. She just started crying. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it just honestly, it was like she just needed to hear what she was doing was hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes people, uh, I mean, this is maybe one of the negative things about social media is they make it look from the outside like they're always gotten it. It's always right. perfect and it's always, the house is always clean and laundry's always done and this, that, and the other. And it's just, again, and, and this is from an outsider looking in as far as what it means to be a parent, it's just hard. And, yeah. and I think you, you said, you know, you need to be patient, patient with yourself and patient with your spouse. And, and it's just raising kids with everything that's going on. It's never been easy. I think it's probably maybe fair to say more difficult now than ever. I don't know if that's fair. I think every generation it's hard, but yeah, those, those of you who are listening and sometimes you get discouraged and, and you're, you don't do it as well as the person down the street or as well as the person on the, on the soccer field or whatever. Be patient with yourself. It's just really, really hard to be a mom or a dad. <laughs> and I think that really came out, you know, over this last year. I mean, I you talk about social media. As the as everybody got quarantined and was homeschooled, I wrote up a list of our COVID schedule. You know, yeah, I remember seeing eight a.m. wake up, you know, prayer time, all this stuff. And of course, I put it on Instagram. You know, got hundreds of likes, and this is amazing. This is great. I don't know if I followed up with, yeah, that lasted about two days, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, and I remember like, we were like, we're going to do family prayer every day and man, family prayer, like we were screaming at each other. I mean, I remember one time I like walked out of family prayer, I, like slammed the door. That's right. I mean, I was just so angry with some of the kids that didn't want to do it and they were hitting each other and, um, yeah, it's it, it's a challenge. And then you have to just kind of say, all right, was that really a moment of God's grace? Um, you know, I think you vacillate between doing nothing and then trying to do everything. Uh, I think that's a constant temptation in, in yeah. family. It's this, yeah, you know, the devil doesn't want you to do anything. Right. And what's the, what's the phrase? It's something like what the devil can't stop, he tries to accelerate, you know, which is to say, the devil would prefer you to not spend any time or do anything prayerful. But if you do, then suddenly you feel this rush of like, well, now you have to, you know, pray all, more, you know, f- you more, know more right. decades of the rosary and do things in Latin and da, 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 and, and take them all to mass every day and et cetera, et cetera. And then you just feel this overwhelming, I can't do all of this. And you're right. Yeah. You can't do all of it, but yeah. you can do some of it. Yeah. And that's I remember it. one of the do lines of, of, it. of my mother was always interesting. Again, six kids. We were pretty angelic, but some fam- families weren't as angelic as we were. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah. But she said, you know, getting getting kids ready to go to mass and going to mass should not be a near occasion of sin. <laughs> but just, you know, <laughs> just the struggle that it is. With, well, I think with, I've shared this before, but my wife's famous line was, is it a mortal, is it a mortal sin to receive communion when all I want to do is kill my children? Yeah, that's right. You know, that's I right. mean, it's... Uh, Uh, Yeah, taking kids to mass, God bless them. I just always, I love it sitting, you know, now that I'm up on the altar and just hearing kids cry and and scream. And I'm like, yeah, God bless you for doing that. Yeah, and you know, and here's another, just a little simple thing we had is, I remember doing a mass like that. And and it was just, I think mom and dad had four or five busy kids and and all of that. And, And I approached them after mass and I said, never stop coming. You're not, you know, that you could tell they were overwhelmed. And I said, it is so- And embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I said, it is so good to have you here and to see you here. Now, and, and let me just be really, really clear. I know that's not a lot of people's experience. Is, mm-hmm. is that, is that unfortunately, and, and I'm sorry on behalf of yeah. the priests, you know, some of the priests in your parish have, have not been friendly, have not been encouraging. And I just want you at least to hear from one priest. Uh, you are always welcome and just be patient with yourself. And, and I know it's easy to say, don't let everybody bother you. Don't let all those stares bother you. But I'm just really glad you're there. So, and you as a parent, I'm sure to say the same thing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, Robert, absolutely. we are, we are going to plug uh, another podcast. And that's yeah. always, you know, it's always, we like to think that if we're honest, we probably got uh, abiding together. It was because of us yes. encouraging people to listen to them, that, that everybody listens to that. Right. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say that it was because of us, but let's think, you know, Father Mike Schmidt's Bible one day. I mean, that was, that was because we said, listen to it. I, I, right. We don't do this for the credit. No. We do not no, do this. It's not about us. We just us. want to encourage. We but we're known, encourage. As, we're known as influencers. Yes, well, yes, we are. Yes, we are. So uh, we want to, uh, there's, uh, actually, there's a really fun <laughs> podcast. It's from a couple of our students, uh, Kaylee and Emily, that have done a podcast. I think it's called, We, we Wrestled With This, because I couldn't remember right off the bat what the name of it was. We did not wrestle with um, it. You kept no, saying, we didn't. it's called On the Carpet. Look it up. It's, it's on the carpet. On I'm the like, carpet. Why? yeah, thank you. Now that now we realize that. Bob, it's called carpet time. Of course. I mean, it come is. on. It's not called on the carpet. It's called carpet time. <laughs> but I got a weird thing going on with my phone right now. I push and I try to open an app and it opens for like a half a second and then it just closes. So I don't know uh-huh. what's going on. But um, yeah, Kay- Kaylee and Emily, uh, and actually it's, <laughs> it's not unlike ours that they just uh, talk a little bit. And sometimes they'll uh, interview some other students. But the first time I listened to it, it's, it's just two young women talking about the relationship with the Lord. I mean, they, they do fun things. They, they did a little camping trip the other day, which was a total dumpster fire. But they, <laughs> they, just, they just share their faith, and um, it's just What's really it beautiful. Again? It's called Carpet Time. Is what it's, called it's called Carpet Talk. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I just looked it up. I was thinking to myself, I'm joking. I'm joking, right. Bob. I'm joking. It's called Carpet Talk. I knew that. Of course, all along. you knew that. You, I wrote it down you, right. I'm the one who told you about it. But seriously, right. um, you're the one and, that and, told me about On the Carpet and what a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a, a movie. Wasn't there a movie On the Carpet where they're flying through and singing songs or something like that? That's called Aladdin. Okay, there. Um, but you can get it where all good podcasts are found. Yes. Carpet Talk. talk. Don't do carpet time. Can I carpet just say, talk. they're going to kill me. There's a reason why I me. usually do the promos. Oh, that, that, that hurt. <laughs> okay, Robert, you were talking about families, and that's what we're talking about today. Yes, and Tom- tomorrow. And that's what I was going to say. Tomorrow is a feast of kind of a celebration of a family, the beginning of a family, the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, so that was my, that's my baptismal day. Tomorrow is? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's a when big feast. And it's also my daughter Maria's baptismal day. You were, you were born in January. That was a little while till you were baptized. It was a little bit. It was a little bit of, particularly back then in the early 70s. Yeah, yeah, was, exactly. Uh, 
I there was a I remember them sharing they just had some issues trying to get all the family together. Global uh, pandemic with, with different things going on. I yeah, think it was yeah. called Vietnam actually. Okay, okay, uh, I was okay. named after my uncle uh, okay. who was in Vietnam and uh, that's sure actually where I get my where I get yeah. my name from. Why do you not sure trust was. anything about my family? <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> so but, anyway, yeah, I was uh, I was baptized uh, the feast of the, the Annunciation on March twenty fifth. Praise God. So and so if we do, my nine, godmother was the Bionic Nun that you also don't believe in. Right. Exactly. My whole fictional mm-hmm. family was there. It was great. You should have been there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't invited, but the uh, nun. But okay, so. The first reading, and I just found myself thinking about it. the first reading today or tomorrow at Mass is ask for a sign from the Lord. Hmm. And you know, who, who, who hasn't been that? It's like, I want a sign. And what I want a sign is I want a woman to be immaculately conceived. And I want the Holy <laughs> Spirit to overpower. This is the sign I'm looking for. But uh, there's, again, one of the things I really, it's, it's I'm just usually just happy if I can get the tissue in the, in the wastebasket. That's usually the sign. Yeah, yeah your sign. Yeah. For. If I, if I, might, I make this, if I, I have make a low this bar basket, for the Lord wills being revealed. Yeah, if I make life. this basket, I'm going to become a deacon. Yes. yes. <laughs> but no, I mean, just who, who at times, I mean, in one way or another, I'm sure everybody's done that. We, we've asked for a sign. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And, and just give me a sign. And, but think about this sign. I mean, the sign of the Annunciation, the sign of God taking flesh, the sign of, you know, the, the unity of, of humanity and divinity coming together in, in, in Jesus. And that's, that's a pretty crazy sign to ask for, right? When, when we accept the will of the Lord, when, when Mary says yes, yes to the will of God, yes at that moment of the Annunciation, human history is forever changed, yeah. right? And and I think sometimes like we've talked about this and alluded to this. We we want we want to know what's going to happen, and and you know as a family that isn't the case. I think we started our podcast that that in 24 hours, this family down in Houston, because of the storms and because of the freezing and the water flooding their house, in 24 hours, their family's life changed. Did did, did they know the day they got married? This is a part of it. Well, they didn't know the details, but they said yes to all the things that were going to happen. And I think our ability to accept, we just get thrown curveballs, right? Yeah. But God is still present in that. And, and that's, I think, the, the gift of our faith is that we, we, we recognize that, we discover that. Sometimes we have to help somebody else discover that, that God is present in the midst of this. And this is the nature of the incarnation. God is now present in human history, in the flesh. He's always been, been working. So everybody is in our prayers as we prepare to celebrate the solemnity of the Annunciation. We pray that as we draw close to the Annunciation and then we're drawing closer to Holy Week and Easter, Lord, that your blessing and your Holy Spirit would would be present to us. Jesus, we thank you for the gift that is family uh, and the craziness at times that is family and the difficulty and the joys and all that go with that. Uh, Thank you for the gift of the moms and dads and brothers and sisters and children, Lord, and that you reveal yourself. Uh, Bless all of our listeners that they would know your peace, particularly as they celebrate the Feast of the Annunciation. May the Lord pour his blessings on you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Robert. Amen. Thank you, Father Dave, and thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing your stories of hope and your prayer requests. Please keep reaching out to us at hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless.